Protecting students and teachers when they step into school is priority number one. On School Safety Today, a podcast from Raptor Technologies, we'll bring you the technologies and leadership that protects over 35,000 schools across the United States. Hey there, welcome to the School Safety Today podcast brought to you by the experts at Raptor Technologies. I'm Hillary Candy. Thanks so much for joining the show. You know, this episode, it is all about the debate across the country on the impact of lockdown drills on students, teachers, and staff. And the question driving the debate is, which causes more harm, the threat of a school shooting occurring or the stress imposed by participating in lockdown drills? So sharing insight today will be two experts who can demystify some aspects of this debate. First joining us is Dr. Jackie Schildkraut, author, researcher, and associate professor of criminal justice at the State University of New York at Oswego. And we also have Dr. Amanda Nickerson, an author, professor, psychologist, and director of the Alberti Center for Bullying Abuse Prevention at the University of Buffalo. And they have graciously agreed to discuss their findings from the most comprehensive study on lockdown drills conducted to date. I also want to mention uh, Dr. Schildkraut and Dr. Nickerson also have a book coming out called Lockdown Drills, a look at the what, why, and how. And there's an anticipated release for this in August of 2022. So couldn't have two better people to talk to about this today. Thank you both for joining me on the show. Thanks so much for having us. All right, so Jackie, I'm going to start with you. Uh, can you start us off by first defining what lockdown drills are and then just differentiating between some of the most common practices? Sure. So lockdown drills are a set of procedures that you can use anytime there's a danger inside of the building. And that can include an active shooter, but it also can include things like an angry parent or a fight getting out of control or even a dangerous animal that might find its way into the school building. So when we hear lockdown, we typically see a set of procedures that involve getting the door locked, getting those lights off because it provides an added layer of concealment and getting everybody out of sight away from that door, which is a significant point of vulnerability. Um, when we typically look at lockdowns with schools, they are usually a part of a comprehensive emergency response protocol or what we consider an all hazards approach. So that'll be used in combination with things like fire drills or holds that are used for medical emergencies or procedures if there's a danger outside of the building. Where this kind of gets a little muddy in the conversation is that lockdown drills are often talked about very synonymously with active shooter drills or options-based protocols that are only really used when there is an active assailant or an active attacker within the building. Well, and so like you mentioned, I mean, there's been some controversy and discussion around this. I mean, I would love to know from you, what are some arguments for and against these lockdown drills? Sure. Well, we have guidance from the federal government and also best practices that we should be doing these drills so that people can practice the plans and protocols that we have in place. Um, the idea is that by practicing them, that it's going to increase their self-protection skills and at the end of the day, save lives. Because we know that locking behind a lock, securing behind a locked door is the best way to protect lives in the event that there's an active shooter or another threat in the school building. 
So those are some of the arguments for. Uh, there are many arguments against as well. Uh, some say that there is this uh, concern that it, we're teaching people to be helpless behind a locked door um, instead of giving them other options if we're teaching them lockdown drills. Um, some also say, well, things like school shootings are statistically rare events, so why are we spending time and resources doing this? As some others have said that there's concern that teaching people what to do will divulge uh, safety protocol information to potential attackers. And then others have pointed to the lack of research and saying, we don't really know what effect this could have on students and staff, and particularly with fears that this might be traumatizing to them in some way. Okay, so I, it kind of leads me to ask, and Jackie, maybe you can feel this one. What does the research show about the perceptions of school safety before and after conducting these drills? Well, to Amanda's point, there really isn't a tremendous amount of research out there. Um, when we started our work together back in 2018, there was only two studies published at the time that looked at any aspect of you know safety, preparedness, anxiety, or anything within the context of an actual lockdown drill of actually participating in the practice, going through training. Um, when we see, you know, when we kind of look at the totality of the findings of the of the work, we're not seeing that it's really supporting those conversations about the negative impacts. Um, for instance, anxiety studies um, have found that anxiety after a drill is either the same or lower than before the drill took place. Um, in our particular research, we did find that students felt a little bit less safe as the progress or the, the pro, excuse me, the project progressed. But we also found at the same time that they felt more prepared. And so one of the things that we're working on now is testing that idea in the context of protection motivation theory, which is the idea that in order for people to engage in self-protective behavior, they have to perceive that there's some type of threat. Um, not that we want to scare them into thinking that a shooting is going to happen, but they need to understand that it still is possible that one could happen. And so we, we go through these practices and we conduct these drills to make sure that people are prepared, that they know how to respond. Um, you know, one of the things that we also look at is, um, you know, fear and risk. We've found that those um, tend to be lower after participating in these projects or in these drills. Um, and then overall, we're looking at skill mastery. Um, so, you know, are people learning in this process? And, you know, by and large, we're seeing continued growth in that area where schools are doing better every single drill which also helps to improve those feelings of safety and preparedness. Well, and we were talking a little bit before the podcast, and you've actually had uh, some success with the school recently. Is that right? We did. Actually, one of the elementary schools in the district that we were working in last week had a 100% perfect drill. We were so proud of them. Um, you know, I never thought it was going to happen because as a researcher, we're always taught that something's going to go wrong because when you're dealing with humans, there's an inherent margin of error. I actually had to check my own work a couple of times to make sure I didn't input the data wrong, but it was there. They they did 100% of the steps, 100% of the rooms, 100% across the board. They were phenomenal. That is fantastic. Your research at work, that's so wonderful to, to see that sort of success. Um, and Amanda, in your research, you talk about a trauma-informed approach. Can you elaborate on what that means for us? Sure. So a trauma-informed approach isn't necessarily specific to lockdown drills, but it's something that says that we should actually assume that individuals are more likely rather than less likely to have a history of trauma. 
And so in the procedures that we do in schools and in other organizations, we want to take that into account. So when we're doing these kinds of protocols and procedures, we want to be sensitive to that. So you may be saying, well, what does that mean for lockdown drills? Basically, it means that we want to prepare for them, right? So we would not want to put schools, students, staff in a situation where we say, now get into lockdown when they have no idea what that is. So that's why we advocate for thorough training and preparation. So students and staff need to know what are the steps of a lockdown drill before we do this kind of lockdown drill. They have to be able to practice, see it, understand why they're doing it. Um, with younger children, we can explain it to them like, you know, when you go into a car and you put on a seatbelt or you wear a bicycle helmet when you are getting, um, uh, getting on your bike to try to stay safe. This is something that we also do to help you keep safe. And these are the steps of it. So a lot of times I think people think it's this very scary thing where we're saying to kids, you know, you could get shot and this is what you have to do. And here are the gunshots and run. And that's not at all what a, a well-practiced uh, lockdown drill looks like. It looks like teaching safety skills to students and staff. Um, and I also mentioned that it involves practice. So when we do that, we tell them that this is a drill. So we're not scaring people into thinking this is the real thing. Um, so the type of research that we do is looking at a standard lockdown drill. So I think it is important to make it clear that we're not talking about these things where there's actors and props and fake blood and some of the things that I think we hear about on the news, that they are practicing a set of skills that they've already learned um, to try to increase their muscle memory and make sure that they're able to do that automatically if and when they are in an unfortunate event where they have to actually use it. And then a trauma-informed approach also says that after the drill, we give the opportunity for students and staff to discuss, to say, are there any questions? And Jackie knows being out there, students will ask all kinds of questions, but giving them the opportunity um, to whatever is on their mind, uh, concerns they have, questions about how they can do it better, questions about why we're doing it, that they're given that opportunity and that we're also following up with any students that may have been distressed in some way and working with them on how to help them feel more safe and comfortable in the future. Well, yeah, I'm hearing both of you talk a lot about practice. And so it sounds like as schools continue to practice and continue to practice, it probably does bring that level of anxiety down for both the, the personnel and the students. Well, and that's a particularly important thing that the best practices also show, um, you know, the approach that we're using is driven by the National Association of School Psychologists, who has phenomenal guidance out about how to mitigate trauma and harm during these practices. And, you know, one of the most important things that, you know, faculty and staff can do during these practices is really model that calm behavior. Um, you know, one of the things that I've seen, again, being in these schools for four years now, is, you know, if you're calm as the adults in the room because you're charged with being the caregiver for everybody and, and students look up to you to be their protector, if you're calm, they're calm. If you're kind of ratcheted up or you feel anxiety and you're expressing that, then the students get really upset. And so, 
you know, by going through that training, it really is helping to let everybody know what to expect. And also that gives for us when we're running the drill, something to revert back to, you know, so I've had a situation a couple years ago where um, a vice principal was very, very upset in the middle of the drill that we, you know, opened the room because we always open the room to check if they're vacant or not and to give immediate feedback and, you know, remind everybody to stay in lockdown. And, you know, I said to her, I said, listen, remember what we talked about in training, whoever needs to come into your room, whether it's the principal, law enforcement, whomever, they're going to have a key. I entered with a key and I identified myself. So as long as you can always refer back to training, it helps to reinforce those concepts, increase the buy-in and help kind of bring everyone's stress level down. That's so smart. And, you know, Jackie, I would love for you to touch on too, how do these schools properly assess the drill's effectiveness? Um, that's a great question. And I think it's so important because, you know, Pretty much across the nation, we have 95% of schools are doing lockdown drills because in some way, shape or form, their states are requiring that they do that. But in a lot of instances, people are really looking at these as tick box exercises. My state here in New York, where Amanda and I are, our schools are required to do four lockdown drills every single year. Usually falls, it'll be two in the fall and two in the spring. And so a lot of people will go through the motions and say, okay, state of insert state name, you know, we did our drills, but that's not actually helping you to really understand whether you're doing them right. Like you can do anything, but it doesn't mean you're doing it correctly. And so for us, what, you know, is really great about the program that we're using is we came in with very clear steps that are objective and measurable. And so when we go through and we assess, um, you know, they get locks, lights out of sight, We'll knock on the door because we want to see if they're going to come back to the door because obviously we don't want them to do that. Um, and those are the four criteria that every single room is checked on. Um, and we check every single door in the school, even if it's a closet. And it's funny because now I've started incorporating the principals into walking with me so they can start to see what we're doing because they're going to be taking it over soon. And they'll say, well, why are you checking a closet? I say, you have no idea where you're going to find people in the middle of a lockdown drill. I find people all over schools. I was like, so we check every single door. And like I said, you know, we're giving them objective criteria that we can say you completed this step correctly. You didn't complete this step correctly. You know, whether it's a single room or a widespread school based issue, we can identify opportunities for improvement. And then what that allows them to do is like, I'll write reports up and give it to the principals. The principals can go back and talk to their teams. They make the necessary adjustments on their end. So when I come back, I'm reassessing what I found in the previous drill and saying, great job, you guys improved on this measure or, hey, we've still got some work to do. And so having that constant feedback loop, again, it's not, you know, I think one thing that we really need to be mindful of is when we're doing assessment, we're not coming in to try and catch you doing something wrong. Um, and one thing that I heard, I don't hear it anymore, but in that first year when everybody was sort of feeling each other out, I would get asked a lot, well, did we fail? And this isn't about pass or fail. This is about just identifying opportunities for improvement, coming up with a solution and seeing if that solution works. That's a great way to look at it because I, I, I can see how people would maybe be a little apprehensive. They, they don't want to feel like they haven't been doing enough. But what you're saying is, no, what you've been doing is great. Now let's improve on that and, and get you to where you need to be so that you're, you're in the best case scenario if something does happen. Absolutely. Um, and if I may, to, to Amanda's point, one of the things that she said was so important is muscle memory, right? The idea of muscle memory is basically like if you're in a situation 
like an active shooter or some other type of emergency where everybody's stress level is really high, the very first thing that's going to go is your brain functioning. Like your mind is going to go blank and your body is going to go on autopilot and do what it's trained to do. So what we're doing in this assessment is trying to make sure we're training it to do the right thing. That's great. And, and Amanda, I would love for you to, to kind of share where are lockdown drills grounded within the larger school safety climate? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm glad you asked. We, we think about lockdown drills and talk about them as one piece of the larger school safety puzzle. So, you know, our colleagues who are in schools every day are doing all sorts of things to promote school safety. Um, so this goes from our preventive efforts to what do they have in place for the social, emotional, and behavioral well-being of their students and staff. How are they building relationships and a positive school climate so that if people have a concern, then they would report it. Um, we know that those positive relationships are very protective and can um, can make kids really resilient uh, if and when they do uh, have a crisis situation. And then schools, of course, have many different protocols in place to respond to different threats and hazards. So Jackie had mentioned some of these before. You know, we've all done evacuations for fire drills um, since that was even happening when, when I was in school. Um, depending on where you were, you may have also been doing shelter in place or hold in place or um, other sorts of drills to prepare for things like medical emergencies, um, biological hazards, uh, natural disasters, COVID, you know, these are the kinds of things that, that schools, you know, having continuity of operations if they can't be in a building for some period of time. So, and, and finally, um, not only responding and preparing, but also recovering. So, you know, we work with schools that have uh, had different tragedies happen that the recovery can take weeks, months, and even years. It becomes part of that school and that community's history. So we would say that lockdown drills is a life-saving tool for preparing for the very worst day, but school safety efforts really involve what schools are doing to plan for every day. Well, I think the work that you're both doing is incredible and admirable. And thank goodness there are people out there like the two of you who are, are doing this work and doing this research. It's fantastic. This has been a great conversation. I, I want to end on just kind of a fun personal note for people listening. I would love to know, since you're, you're both uh, writing so much, writing articles and books and that kind of thing, what is something that you personally have been listening to or reading or watching lately? Um, I'm personally been on like a Netflix binge. Um, I also just got Hulu plus. So like, I like am a nice balance of, um, documentaries on true crime and like sort of historical, uh, stuff like the Kennedys, the Windsors, the Bushes, um, you know, I'm equal opportunity. And then balancing that with like reality TV, like the real housewives. <laughs> I love that. It's a good balance. <laughs> Amanda, what about you? I have to say the most recent thing I watched was Castaway, uh, the movie with Tom Hanks. So an oldie but a goodie. I didn't even actually think about the work that we do, but now it perfectly applies, right? Emergency preparedness. And what it taught me is that I don't think I would have made it 
<laughs> Even with a Wilson, I don't think I could have made it for, I think it was four plus years, but, um, you know, just the, the story of resilience and, and, and learning about how to, uh, how to survive. So that's the last thing I watched. I always felt like that was one of Tom Hanks's best movies. It's so good. Well, I know one thing that everybody listening add to their reading list come August 2022, and that is the new book that you both authored called Lockdown Drills, a look at the what, why, and how. So remember to keep an eye out for that summer of next year. Thank you ladies so much for sharing your expertise with us. I really appreciate you taking the time today. Thank you for having us. Thanks so much. And I want to thank everyone else for tuning into this episode of School Safety Today brought to you by Raptor Technologies. If you like what you heard, if you want to Check out more episodes of the show. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. We will be back with another episode soon. But until then, I've been your host, Hillary Kennedy. Thanks so much for tuning in.